Hey, hey, welcome to episode 37 of the Authors Read Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Ryan. Today's guest is Diane Gayhart, and she'll read from her book, Mindfulness for Chocolate Lovers, a lighthearted way to stress less and savor more each day. Hi, this is Diane Gayhart, and I'm going to read you an excerpt from my book, Mindfulness for Chocolate Lovers, a lighthearted way to stress less and savor more each day. And this is from my chapter on befriending problems, and it is on befriending the impossible. Befriending problems is not so difficult when it involves the little things, long lines, self-doubt, or a partner's foibles. But when the big things hit, a loved one dies, we receive a serious diagnosis, Our partner leaves, we lose a job. It becomes much harder to be open, playful, present, or friendly. However, these are the moments most critical to befriend. The costs of not befriending are too high. Yet mustering the courage to open our hearts in these situations sometimes seems too much to bear. It may take months or even years to get to the point where you can befriend the darkest moments in your life. When tragedy strikes, a loved one is senselessly murdered, a child receives a life-threatening diagnosis, your partner walks out on you and your children, or you contemplate ending your own life, do not rush yourself, and certainly not others, to befriend such moments until you are ready. Sometimes a long period of profound grieving is necessary before entertaining such an idea. At other times, you may ache so deeply and are so exhausted from grief that you are brought to your knees and are willing to consider that God may not be evil after all and consider another perspective. One thing I can promise you is that after you do it once, each time thereafter, it gets easier. My first meaningful experience with befriending grief was when my brown-eyed husky died. For those who don't get sentimental about pets, I hope you can indulge the story and perhaps glean some useful information nonetheless. I got Tara as a puppy five years earlier, shortly after I moved alone to a new town in Central California for my first position at a graduate school. She and her sister, a white German shepherd, were my little family. We had our daily routines, growing pains, and adventures up and down the California coast. Whereas the shepherd appointed herself my loyal protector, Tara took on the roles of family comedian and princess. She could feel a pea or pebble under the deepest pile of bedding. She kept us laughing all day with wacky doggy habits, and yet always insisted on a well-made bed with fluffy pillows at bedtime. However, the stress of moving to a smaller house in Southern California when I got my promotion, um, she developed an autoimmune disorder. I learned to track the severity of her illness by the slightest changes in her behavior or look in her eyes. Despite weakness from the illness, she maintained her playful and mischievous personality and she continued to be an eager running companion. Her joy on the running trail was palpable. Every fiber of her being was vibrant and alive. Each time I ran with her, I vowed I would learn to love life as purely and simply as she did, even when I was not well. After doing well for a while, she took a turn for the worse and was suddenly so weak she could not walk. This time she went to a specialized pet hospital. This is where some of you are rolling your eyes at us pet lovers and understood, especially after I got the bill. During the consultation, the vets were confident that a new diet, perhaps a new protein like kangaroo, would help. 
I winced, trying to swallow the idea that such a protein was legal, but then left hopeful that we were going to have a breakthrough in this year-long disease. Forty-five minutes later, I got the call. It was cancer. Lymphoma of the bowel. I agreed to give her one shot of chemo to see how she responded. When I returned the next morning, the vets, who had been hopeful the day before, told me I should have her put down. There was no response to the chemo. I was shaking due to the dramatic change in prognosis. Earlier that same year, I had watched my aunt, who was a second mother to me, die a horrific death from breast cancer that spread to the lungs, brain, and eventually her whole body. And if you are wondering, no, I did not befriend that loss for a long time. Now Tara essentially uh, faced the same thing, but I was not ready. So I took her home and set up my own doggy hospice. Having lost 13 classmates in high school and college, they have since changed California driving laws, and three close family members already, I knew what I had to do. Unlike the friends and family that I had lost before, this loss had an added layer of guilt. Did I do something to cause this or fail to do something that could have prevented it? At first, I did not believe this was a problem I could befriend. However, at that point in my life, I knew enough about healing the heart and soul that ultimately I had to find a way. I sent my friends and families home to be there with her without distraction. I looked into her eyes and gathered, gathered the courage to say, I will befriend this moment for the two of us. I will keep my heart open in your last hours. As she was my doggy princess, I decided to have a classy little party to celebrate her life. Just me, her, and her sisters, the shepherd and our cat. I turned on James Taylor. It was a night for fire and rain. I pulled out my Viennese crystal and china, the finest Belgian chocolate, and French champagne to cho toast each precious memory. I cried. I laughed. I sang. I prayed. The shepherd and cat kept vigil with me, encircling Tara. They knew what was happening, and I was struck by how their natural response was simply to sit and witness Tara's passing. Their perfect stillness and intense focus on their companion created a palpable atmosphere of the sacred, which I have rarely experienced in humans. Our minds use language, stories, and our imagination to find infinite ways to escape being present with what is, especially when it is death. We sat and slept next to her well-made prince's bed the entire night. My heart broke that night, but rather than finding it in pieces in the morning, I found it broken wide open, open enough to befriend the death of my beloved companion. The night before, I felt the fullness of my love for her, and I could no longer tell if the tears that fell were tears of joy or sorrow. In fact, they were neither. They were tears of pure love. In the end, I think she taught me the secret of the joy that radiated so freely from her on the trail. Eventually, we all encounter one of our worst fears, something we believe we cannot bear. It will come, and in fact, such moments typically come several times in all of our lives. In these moments, we will break, every time. But we must choose whether we break down or break open. We will most likely cry, get angry, and feel overwhelmed at first, but at any point, we are free to choose to befriend the moment. The first step is simple, but terrifying. Acknowledging what has just happened. You may not be able to do this with your first major life tragedy, and that is okay. I could not. 
but as you practice on the little things, you develop the courage to one day use it with one of your bigger challenges. Each time you do this, you become braver and more confident that you can survive the next round. And forgive my honesty, but there will be another one, most likely at some point. Until the day comes when you can simply know that, no matter what happens, you will not just survive, but you will grow through it. I'd like to thank Diane for sharing her book with us today. And thank you for listening to the Authors Read Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read Podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time.